So I was glad that I, it looks like everyone else is uh, probably a few minutes late too. Well, yeah, you never know what a good time is. And, you know, certainly on um, a Sunday, that can be a, a little bit daunting. <laughs> I kind of liked um, doing things early in the morning too, but we try to accommodate some time for the, the time change in different um, settings. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I like the like afternoon, evening time periods. That's whenever I'm always doing stuff. So I like that you guys have it kind of all over the place, all days of the week. And if you can make it great, if not, you can watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's the whole point is that we know that not, not everyone's going to make everything. And if we had it at one time, um, people could potentially figure out a way to do it, but at the same time. Um, so is there anything that you want to get coached on? I, am I the only one? Is that the, uh, that's it. Oh, look at that. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, there's, there's, there's just so many like things, but they're all kind of in the same theme that you have actually helped me with before. So I'm not like, um, I'm, I'm just trying to do a lot of the work myself to kind of, um, you know, get a little bit stronger. I've actually been practicing helping other people, which has actually helped me. It kind of solidifies that, uh, kind of that change in thought process. Um, and, and kind of reminds me to do that. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have like something specific. I was coming to hear about why we work so hard. So yeah. <laughs> like, holy like crap, what hard? do I do that? Huh? Do you feel like you work hard? I, I mean, yes. Don't we all? Mm -hmm. Uh, yes. Um, you know, one of the things that I find um, that seems to be a really common theme, and I have struggled with this for forever, is sort of that feeling like I have to always prove myself, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm always trying to do slightly more. And I, and I don't even know what really drives that. I mean, I know what started it, but I don't really know what continues it and why I always feel like I have to give, I don't know, like a billion percent instead of like, you know, just that mediocre hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. It's so interesting because, you know, I was trying to think of some of the things that we think about with, um, you know, I think there's, there's working a lot and then there's working too much. Um, and I guess the main thing is, is what is the difference? Um, you know, is it a number of hours? Is it a feeling? Um, if I were to ask you, like, what do you feel is, you know, what is working too much to you? You know, I think it's, it's sort of whenever I am spinning my wheels, that's when I know I've worked too much. Like, I don't think there's a magic number, right? It can be an hour and I need to step away because I'm just sort of, I'm just not as effective at doing it anymore. Um, whereas, you know, if I'm really kind of in that zone and I'm really getting stuff done, I'm being productive. I mean, you know, let me keep going for a while because it's actually doing some good. So I, I don't know that it's truly a number of hours. I think it's really when I start to kind of feel like I, I stopped being useful at what I'm doing. Right. If that makes sense. And it's interesting because you mentioned, you said that you knew how it started. So how did it start to you, for you? Well, residency, right? I mean, like, there's no question I had to prove myself in residency. And it was, you know, I was carrying the weight of all women 
urologists on my shoulders because mm-hmm. whatever I did clearly was a reflection of all female urologists. At least yeah. you know, that was sort of the the feeling, right? Like if I screwed up, it was like, well, maybe we should never take another woman into our program. Um, and so I sort of felt like I had something to prove that whole time. And like, I was never, I never really felt like I was mm, good enough to really be where I was. And so really through my residency, that's really what I did. And that, I mean, it was great. Cause right. I was like, amazingly good and very productive. I mean, whenever your whole life is just trying to prove that you should be where you are, you tend to really prove where, (laughs) you know, you tend to be very productive at that. But, um, but then I never really got the breaks and I never really got to, to breathe for a second to be like, you know, I probably am where I'm supposed to be. Um, and I probably have done a lot of things to get here that is just fine. And I don't have to take the whole weight of the world on my shoulders, but, um, you know, it's interesting, like I can clearly say that now, but I still feel like it, you know, there's still those moments where the weight, the weight of the world is on me. So. Yeah. But can you think back to an instance, like a a specific example where you felt like the, the world was on your shoulders or, you know, that you, um, worked in at a particular time where you really feel like was, I don't know, that, that, that stands out in your mind, I should say. Um, I mean, again, like that, I mean, a lot of the work ethic started sort of in my residency because, you know, I really wasn't the world's greatest candidate. I mean, I was a great candidate, but for urology, I wasn't really that great of a candidate. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was, so I, 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 I really wasn't sure that I was ever even going to get into a program. And, and so it, it always sort of felt like, you know, the people that were around me were kind of telling me like, you know, you don't really have the board scores. You don't really have these things. And so when I got in, I was sort of like, well, now I have to prove to everybody that I like deserve to be here. And then, you know, as I progressed through residency, you know, I had, um, I want to be careful that I don't give too many specifics away, but because this involves another person, but there was another um, female resident that was in our hospital um, that had gotten pregnant and it was, it kind of rocked the whole environment because it was sort of the first female resident that had gotten pregnant in kind of that cis in surgery. And um And unfortunately it was a very rough pregnancy and she required a lot of time off. And and it was sort of like, she was, you know, she was the problem of course. And so they turned to me and were like, you're not going to get pregnant, right? Like, you're not going to ever do that. You're not ever going to act like that. And it was like, okay, um, this is a lot of pressure. And, and so, you know, I think that that was ultimately what sort of Told me that I had to sort of work a little bit harder than everybody else and prove that I was going to, you know, I don't know, somehow do it better than everyone else. Right. So I think that's, I mean, that sort of carried the entire residency with me. Sure. I mean, there's, there's a lot in that, um, that story. And I think I'm really glad that you mentioned this because I think it is so relevant for so many people, um, you know, that, and I'm curious, when you say that, that you weren't the, the greatest candidate, what do you mean by that? 
<laughs> right. I mean, like, <laughs> like looking back on it now, like I was a really good candidate in terms of like actual medical school stuff. Like I honored several classes and, but my board scores weren't that great. I had phenomenal work ethic. I had great letters of recommendation, you know, so I was just fine, but because my board scores weren't the greatest in the world, um, again, like it's all very relative because in the world of urology, you know, if you don't, if you didn't like cure polio in your garage, then all of a sudden, right, like you are somehow not adequate. Um, and, uh, you know, so it was just sort of said to me from a lot of people like, well, you know, you don't really have those board scores and you don't really you know, are you really smart enough to be able to do this? And the reality was, is, you know, looking back on it now, and now that I choose residents and such, yeah, I was just fine. And, and a lot of times we have to stop ourselves in our like meetings and be like, everyone, we do realize that these are like the premier of the premier candidates. Like, let's, let's back up for a second and remind ourselves how actually qualified they are to be here. So um, I've had a lot of growing in that, but I, I would say I carried that with me for many years of my life that it just, you know, I wasn't quite good enough. And so I had to work harder. You know, if I just worked harder, I'd overcome that problem. Right. right? And, you know, I think that, and I'm sure that, you know, it sounds like you've already done a lot of the work here too, but I think it'd be worth going through that model um, of, you know, almost like a little bit of an older model, um, but just to kind of see how it maybe carries over. Cause I think that this is going to be so revealing and relevant to everybody else. Um, well, and, and not only that, Amy, but I mean, let me say that, yes, I've done a lot of work and a lot of growing, but that is also my default, right? So when I get sort of stressed, tired, upset, maybe not in the greatest, clearest mind, I go back to that beginning, right? Like I go back to what was said to me and what I believed as my core for a long time. And it's taken a long time to process that. So wholeheartedly, I agree with you. I, it makes it sound like I'm doing all kinds of work, but the reality is, is I still for sure fall back into that trap a lot. And I think that, you know, the more you look at the model and kind of, you know, explore it, the more um, we see where the, the flaws are and they just, and that's why you have to do the, the models and the thought work every day, because it's these things sneak up on us, you know, that we think we're doing fine. And all of a sudden like, well, where the hell did that come from? Uh, oh, you know, it almost always points back to some of these things because, you know, in all honesty, we do crazy hard jobs. Um, and if you're not really sort of preparing for these things coming up then they certainly can um, sneak up on you and, and really hurt you. Um, but if we look at you here, this is you candidate, you know, residency person Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the, um, the thought that was standing out to me in my mind um, was, you know, I wasn't the greatest candidate. Would you agree that's kind of the thing that stood out to you in residency? I mean, I, that sounds so like not as harsh as it probably was. I definitely felt like I was inadequate. Like I was not good enough. Mm-hmm. Let's not, let's not beat around the bush. I was hard on myself. Yes. And it's important to be as, um, specific and as realistic. Um, and this is, this is the whole point of, of coaching is supposed to be like the, the neutral space. You can, you can say whatever's on your mind, like the worst, like I was the worst candidate ever, you know, no one's going to judge you for that. Um, because this is what your thoughts are. And then the whole point of coaching is these thoughts don't have to be true. It's just what our brain is offering us, 
you know, and I think we all have these really, really harsh thoughts in our mind. And, and it's kind of like that beach ball, you could push it down all you want. But the more you push it down, if you don't address it, it's just gonna hit you back in the face. Typically, when your guard is low. Yes. Um, in the exact moment, whenever you didn't want it to hit you, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. So what, what were your exact words? Um, I wasn't good enough. Or I am not good enough, right? Yeah, let's be positive. Let's be in the present tense. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you know, when you're, when you're feeling this thought of um, I'm not good enough, how does that feel to you? Like, how, how do you remember like the, the overall feeling that you had when you thought this? I mean, I felt uh, a little helpless. I felt... I mean, when, and even now, when I feel this, I feel helpless. I feel sad and, and depressed and unmotivated and a little bit trapped. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really have, you know, like, like I, I, I feel like I should be grateful for what, for all of the crap that I have to go through because, well, I got nowhere else to go. Cause I'm not good enough to go any, you know, to do anything else. Yes. I think all those emotions that you describe are very powerless feelings. I thought that your articulating trapped was a very, very good one. Um, uh, just because that seemed to be the one that kind of spoke the loudest. Yeah. Um, when you feel trapped, what are some of the actions that you, um, would do? Um, you know, a lot of times I would just, kind of beat myself up. Like I would, I would in my head kind of just convince myself not to really do anything. You know, I wouldn't do anything to improve myself because what was the point? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so like I wouldn't necessarily study as hard or I wouldn't um, go out of my way to do extra things, or I would also sort of disengage from my peers, like from my co-residents, because I was always afraid that they were going to like somehow miraculously figure out that I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I mean, it was, it, it, it would really kind of separate me from, and I would do this very actively. I just, what I wouldn't engage. I wouldn't you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's probably the big thing I did. Why would you not engage with them? How or why? Why? Well, again, like I just, I really felt like they were going to like figure out that I was like, I mean, this is sort of that imposter syndrome, right? Like that's the start of it is I would just feel like they were going to figure out that I was, you know, I was dumb and I was, you know, like I shouldn't really be there and they were going to discover all of that. And I was going to be, I was like dragging them down and I didn't really want to do that. Right. And what was the result of it? Um, now that you have like a little bit of uh, ability to look back, what was the result of, of feeling this sort of disengage or the action disengagement from feeling trapped and helpless? I mean, it really cost me a lot of support. I think I, I really could have um, had a lot better relationships with the people around me, but I was, 
I was so afraid to, to engage in that. Um, and I think it cost me some opportunities, right? I was too afraid to, to really reach out and maybe get some different opportunities and different like mentoring, different um, experiences because I just was just so, uh, gosh, I was just so afraid. Mm-hmm. Now that you have I, um, you know, done a lot of work already, um, how do you feel about this, this model? When you look back at this, this resident that was you, how do you feel about all this? I'm like really embarrassed about this. Um, it makes me really sad and it, and it make I, I never even really thought about how much it really, how much it really messed me up to, to do that. I, I'm like really quite sad right now. Right. I think, you know, looking back, um, the most important thing is that, you know, now we actually have sort of a bit of a different model here too. Now that we can kind of look at this, you know, we're, we're looking back at this person who was us um, and, you know, how do we approach our past? Um, because I think that just like you said, that, that this past is sort of showing that up in the future because this, this is us, you know, and I think, you know, when we, when we post this and people respond to it, you see, this is everybody, you know, mm-hmm. I think everyone has some element of this, of, of not good enough because you know, the, we purposely chose this really difficult job. Um, and I'm not sure that the jobs that we do, that anyone feels good enough because it's a hard job. Um, the, what would, advice would you give yourself looking back you know, as a resident? Um, now that you know this, what are some of the things that you would um, advise them? Well, I mean, one thing is, I think to go back and remind yourself of everything that you actually have done, instead of reminding yourself of everything maybe you haven't done or didn't do to some arbitrary standard, um, and maybe reset those standards to say, you know, it's okay. <laughs> like, um, and that maybe, you know, scores or, or, you know, how you did on one test is not necessarily what makes, and it certainly is not what makes a good doctor. Um, and maybe probably given some advice to say, go talk to some other people, because as much as you felt like everyone around you, like deserved to be there and was, everything was just amazingly great for them. It, it wasn't, I, I'm, I will guess, right. Like now looking back on it, knowing, you know, like as I train residents, just knowing how little confidence, not even just the residents, right. Like all of us have, um, that maybe going back and saying, you're not alone and use, reach out, even if it's not comfortable, because just being allowed to say it might actually make you grow and help. I think, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I think that's really well articulated. Um, and I think this is where the, the model comes in where it's helpful because, you know, you kind of know the end game, which is if you don't feel good enough, what's going to happen is that you're going to feel trapped and helpless. You're going to disengage and you're not going to seek out the relationships and the opportunities that will actually allow you to feel good enough. Um, and so it's, 
it's interesting that you have to feel good enough at first to actually be good enough. <laughs> right. This is crazy. <laughs> I mean, it totally makes sense though. Right. Like if, if, I mean, there's so many things in life. If you just think it many, many times you get there, right. It's, it's just a matter of, you have to start and you have to believe it, right. but if you never believe it, well, that's as good as not happening. So and it's, and it's really amazing because we're all, you know, comparing ourselves to these metrics that are honestly just in our head too. You know, every woman on the, the common thread, I can list like 10 things that are amazingly remarkable. And I've not even met most people, you know, we're graduates of residencies, you know, or if we're, if we're residents, you're a graduate of college and you're in residency, you're doing hard things. You're doing tons of work. You're spending hours of doing stuff. You know, a lot of times people have families and trying to balance that too. Um, you know, the ability to take these really difficult tests and, you know, quite honestly, clinic is at oral boards every day. Everyone worries about oral boards, but clinic is oral boards every day. Um, and so it's interesting to this, this T of I'm not good enough is, is really the only modifiable thing that we have. Um, and I think that it's important that you, that we really cultivate these thoughts because once you realize the downstream aspect of it too, that if you don't feel good enough, you're actually going to be not good enough um, is important. Um, one of those thoughts that I like um, is, you know, the, uh, or actually you tell me, what is a thought um, that you find empowering that leads to um, a result that you would want? Um. Like, what would be the result, I guess? So this is you, you know, as a, as a resident. And, you know, there's the shadow of it in all of us. Now, if we look at this person over here, who is the person that we want to be? Yeah. I mean, you know, the reality is, is my thought is, um, I am good. It's not even I am good enough because that qualifier is kind of trash, right? Like, I am good. And that's it. And if I'm not, if I don't know something or I am learning something, it's okay to not be perfect, but I am good. Does good really excite you? Um, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're going to pick a thought, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like an amazing I mean, thought. I am good is, is, is a good place to start. But you're right, right? I mean, if I'm going to say, where am I going to be at? Then it's going to be, I'm absolutely like kick-ass amazing, right? Totally. I, and I'm going to put this, those exact words. I am totally kick-ass <laughs> and amazing. Because your previous... Uh, thought is exactly it's like this person a little bit yeah um so I, i'm good I'm, I'm good and i think that really what you do is like i am amazing mm -hmm. <laughs> because what is the different emotion that that comes up with each of these like you say that i'm good how do you feel i mean i feel adequate right yeah. that's not like I, you're right it's not exciting i'm adequate yeah. I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to be adequate. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with adequate. 
We're going to dream. <laughs> right. <laughs> I choose to be adequate at my notes, right? <laughs> but like. That, well, notes are a different thing. I'm barely adequate at those. <laughs> yeah, right. I choose to be adequate at notes and I'll spend time to get good at many, many other things. But. <laughs> put it notes to save me time to be absolutely amazing at things that I really care about. (laughs) (laughs) So, right. No, you're a hundred percent right. Because now when I think about, you know, if I'm saying I'm absolutely amazing, like I am just at the very top, I'm very empowered at that moment. I'm, I'm very energized. I'm excited. And I'm, you know, like I'm open to a lot of things then. Yes, because like someone who's excited and empowered, what are the kind of actions that they do? They're curious. They're going to seek out, um, you know, things within the system that, that excite them. And, you know, we just, I mean, Ah. it's just a lot better environment then. Right. And that way we, seek out opportunities because if if we're this awesome people need to see it (laughs) (laughs) exactly that was really hard to even think about in my brain uh so i'm clearly not quite there yet (laughs) i think this is where like this is the whole the there's there's this idea of like bridging thoughts you know Mm -hmm. it's like well tomorrow i'm not sure i'm gonna feel really awesome i'm just i'm gonna feel adequate you know, I got a clinic tomorrow. That's probably a fair statement. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, though, you know, our, our brain does what it tell what we tell it to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if we say, you know what, we are going to go out tomorrow and we are going to be badass, awesome, save lives. Um, and so when we approach that as that, then we do feel empowered. Then we seek out opportunities. We try a little harder um, because we believe it. Um, and I think this is really the, I think that you really hit the nail on the head too, because we seek out op- opportunities and we also, I mean, and what is the result of, of when you seek out opportunities? I mean, you become a much better person yourself, right? Cause you're now fitting into exactly what you want to do and, and like to do. And now you're, you're just that much better. I mean, it just improves everything because you have more of yourself to give at that point. And also, what is the effect on other people? Yeah, I mean, people actually want to be around you. They want your they they want your total amazing world around them. And um, yeah, I mean, you're now support for other people, and they're your support. So yes, and they support you because everybody want to bets on the winning team. Yeah. Um, and it'll cultivate relationships too. Uh, you know, people are like, well, she really has it together. I want to be more like her. Let's hang around with her a little bit more. And, you know, she does really fantastic things. I'm going to see what she does. Um, and then, you know, I'm going to kind of hang around and, and you know, see that. Um, and then they're like, wow, you get things done. So I'm going to give you the job opportunity. Like when your boss is looking around say, are they going to look at the one with the head down like this? Like, oh, God, please don't pick me. <laughs> Don't pick me. <laughs> there are people I'm like, I'm ready. Let's go. Right. 
Um, then, then you have that problem of uh, maybe you take on too much. So I don't want to tell everyone <laughs> to be amazingly confident in every meeting. You know, so I'm <laughs> boss, know. and I'm looking around and like, well, she's badass and awesome. I'm gonna leave the good stuff for her. I'm gonna leave this one over here who just thinks she's adequate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you know, really, success begets success, um, and then you have the opportunity to turn things down. Um, and that's another, um, you know, that kind of transitions to um, a different thing. And, and this has to do with being worthy too, um, which is we only have so much time. Um, and if we are now in this fantastic position of all these opportunities, we have to continue to remind ourselves that we are this really awesome person and that we are worthy. Um, because the other trap that this this person falls into, I'm not good enough, is that you're um, always on that, that treadmill, that hamster wheel of trying to prove you're good enough. And so, you know, a different model um, that, that other people might have is I'm not, I'm not quite good enough. So um, I'm still, I still feel trapped in a way, but instead of disengaging, I'm gonna over-engage. I'm gonna overcommit. And I'm going to try to do everything else as, as much as possible um, so I can feel worthy. But the thing is we overextend. And then what happens is that we don't actually do stuff or we're, we don't, our heart's not really in the right place. That so we're not really excited about it or we have too much to do. And, we're not, and so the result of that is that the work is not great, therefore proving that you're, you're not good enough. Um, and so there's a lot of things that um, can trace back to this I'm not good enough um, model. Um, and I think that the most important thing is, is first, you know, recognizing that a lot of people don't feel um, good enough. And that, that shows up in ways of, of different things because other ways that this I'm not good enough shows up is the emotion of I feel trapped. And so I'm gonna lash out at people. I see this all the time. Like that guy's a real asshole. I'm never gonna ask him a question. And so the thing is, the result is that no one ever bothers him. He never has to be challenged because he doesn't feel good enough, but, no, but everyone doesn't know that he's really just feeling this trapped and hiding because he's lashing out and the result is everyone's avoiding him. And so he's never challenged. Um, but that's my theory behind some of these, um, you know, typical surgeon personas of, I never feel comfortable asking the question because all they do is get mad at me. I'm like, right. Mm -hmm because they never have to be proven wrong because everyone's too scared of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I share your belief on that actually, because I think whenever you're confident in what you do, you're not afraid to be questioned and you're not like, I mean, I definitely know that whenever I'm around people and they start questioning me and I can feel whenever I'm maybe a little uncertain, you start to feel that uncomfortableness and like you want to just shut it down. And, 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 and anger is a fantastic way to shut down conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I never thought about the fact that it may be hard for me sometimes to say no to things actually stems right back to this. I'm not good enough. So I'm going to like overprove myself. Like I'm going to overdo things. And, and it is true about that lashing out. I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there are moments I lash out, but I don't know that I'm that person. Um, but I definitely see exactly what you're talking about around me. Uh, and that maybe that's actually very helpful to understand that that may be a 
insecurity more than it is a reflection on myself. Cause sometimes then it, it like that personality to me sort of uh, confirms that I'm not good enough sometimes belief. Right. Right. Mm. Because, you know, the interesting thing is like when someone, you know, so you have now two surgeons, let's say your partners and someone like someone asked, you know, um, the surgeon who snapped at them and then like, well, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go ask Dr. Gertrude's children. And I'm like, oh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> right. so he looks dumb. Him or me. Right. I looked dumb because I said I didn't know. Exactly. Really, you know, the person that lashed out was the one who didn't know either. But the, the thing, it's, it's that good offense or the best offense or the best defense is a good offense. Yeah. And I kind of came to this theory because I've done that myself too, honestly. I think the problem is, is that some of these lesser savory models, just like you mentioned, kind of show up when we're tired mm-hmm. and our guard is down. Um, and, um, and I think that's why I really liked that emotion that you mentioned was, which was trapped. Um, because, you know, if you think like evolutionary wise, when we're trapped, we do one of two things, right? Mm-hmm. Three, fight, flight, or sit down, right? Totally freeze. I think there's three that we do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Hide, freeze, yeah, hide, play dead, or attack. <laughs> right. So it goes back to the, the burnout book, the, um, you know, what they say, fight, flight, or play dead. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because it's all this, this same thing, you know, resident or attending. I'm not good enough. I feel trapped. It's just the action result vary from day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but then, you know, I think that the nice thing with the model too, is just for people to recognize it's a dead end road. You know, you'll never get the result that you want with any of those actions. Well, I mean, some of them do work. I mean, that action of lashing out will certainly keep people from asking you questions, but you're never going to get the support. Um, yeah. Hmm. No, it's true. And, and, and it certainly isn't going to make you feel good enough because you're probably going to go, I mean, I don't know. I, I really hope that those people that lash out like that really go home and they feel bad about it. That's what I have to say to myself to make it through the day. So I'm sure they feel bad about it, but you know, cause I know whenever I have lashed out in my life, I do feel bad about it. And, uh, right. And then you all of a sudden say, I'm not good enough anymore, or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing in life. Right. Hmm. Wow. And that the result is, is a terrible result. Yeah. Um, because then no support, bad relationships. Um, and that kind of goes back to, you know, the, the C, which I think we could all agree on. This is a difficult job. Um, and we all need support. Um, and I think that's where the groups like, like ours health is starting to normalize things and talk about things. And you start to realize, man, we really do all have the same problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's been some of the best growing that I've done has been whenever all of a sudden I realized that um, I really wasn't alone. And these are like normal human responses to amazingly stressful lives that we live, right? I mean, it's not easy. I mean, we like, we're like, we think it's normal to work like 70 to 80 hours a week. Like that's okay. Uh, but like no other person in the world is going to be like, yeah, that's, 
yeah, that's just a normal work week. No problem. Um, but, but that's what we do. And in fact, if we don't, like, if we don't work that, that somehow we're like inadequate in life. Oh, please. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think that's really true that it is really helpful to hear that I think other people are, are sort of feeling a lot of the same things and maybe a little different reaction to it, but all in all, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. I see where I'm going wrong and I see where I'm falling into traps pretty easily. And um, a lot of it is also understanding why our brain is offering this um, because, you know, I, I felt this way too. Like I, I'm so overworked. I'm just overworked. And it's funny because, um, you know, this, this usually shows up this, this thought, this, this whole scarcity thought shows up in clinic. So I'm really overworked. And Thursday, like half my clinic doesn't show. They either don't book or don't show. Um, and rather than saying, oh, thank goodness, I can I have a break. You know, that's not the first thought that I have, right? <laughs> yep. I know exactly where this is going. Yep. Yeah. Because what, what are some of the thoughts um, like you have, like if, if there's like a light clinic or something like that, or, or, you know, there's, or your partner's getting more referrals than you, what are your thoughts? Well, if my partner's getting more referrals, oh my gosh, that is doom and gloom, like, oh my gosh, I have done something wrong. I am not going to like ever survive. I mean, it is amazing how fast it becomes a catastrophe. But like whenever everyone shows up and I'm getting good referrals, I never like catastrophically good. I'm never like, wow, like this is just the greatest thing that's ever happened. No, in fact, it, it goes quite the opposite, right? I'm so overworked. I'm never going to survive. Um, why do I do this to myself? You know, all of these things that it's amazing. There's like, I'm trying to find that perfect bell curve, but I'm not really sure what that looks like. Um, but yeah, it is, it is sort of fun to sort of see whenever you are overworked. I have definitely had these thoughts. And then whenever you get a break, you're like, wait, why do I have a break? What's wrong? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and you're, I think that, you know, you, you are really great at picking out words because I think that catastrophizing is like the perfect word for this because it's not like, I feel bad. It's not that it's like a catastrophe. Right. <laughs> Everything is falling apart. No one's ever going to refer to me again. Everyone knows that I'm a fraud. <laughs> I'm like laughing because, um, it, because it sounds so silly to say it out loud. And yet I, sometime in the next month, I bet that that thought will occur in my brain. And, um, you know, that somehow I have to do something to generate more work on somebody who's already overworked. Like it's a crazy to me how we cycle ourselves like that. So Oh, it sounds so dumb whenever we say it out loud. <laughs> I know I'm laughing. You know, it's like one of those days, like one of these days we'll laugh at it, but I, I mean, still, I know better and I still do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it's interesting too, because this kind of transitions to the overworking part of it too, which is all just different variations of I'm not good enough. Um, and so the, you know, I think that a good exercise when we're feeling, you know, like this whole scarcity concept is, is that thought, like, what are all the thoughts that we think of when we see an empty clinic? Um, and when we like go down that entire list, it does seem silly, doesn't it? Um, and it, it seemed, I basically just like worked myself half to death. Um, and what 
I finally came to the conclusion was is like the weekends, it's not necessarily a break. And I just, I need to stop the treadmill of, of patients. So a good problem of, of a lot. Um, but my thought is if I, if I miss a clinic, I'm not going to fill an OR. If I don't fill an OR, I'm going to lose my block time. If I lose my block time, then I'm never going to operate again. If I never operate, I'm going to go broke. <laughs> yep. Right. And how crazy is that? Because there is no shortage of patients. I haven't met a single surgeon yet. Who's like, you know, I just, I just can't do it. I just can't fill up any of my time. <laughs> I mean, everyone is like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And yet we still somehow have been convinced in life that like, if we're not bursting at the seams, then it's like, we're just not doing enough. Hmm. And what do you think the solution to that is? Oh, I, I'm like having sort of like these moments in my brain about like, is this, um, is this something that we're told very, uh, sneakily from some of our hospital administrators, maybe like, this is sort of like the makeup commercials where like, you don't feel like thin enough or pretty enough or whatever that we get told our whole lives. And so like, we, we grow into that. Um, I'm actually kind of wondering, like I'm thinking through my brain, how many like subliminal messages we might be given because it's such a universal thing. Like this is not like one or two people feel this way. It's like the entire medical field feels like if we aren't bursting at the seams, somehow we aren't doing it adequately enough. Um, so I, okay, that's very interesting, but from a real perspective of how do we actually change that on a day-to-day -day basis? I mean, I think the first thing is we have to slow ourselves down. Like we have to take a deep breath in that moment and say, um, okay, let's be realistic how many patients do I actually see, you know, and, and, and let's, let's calm down because remember last week, whenever you were like, so overwhelmed and could barely even breathe, maybe let's take a breath, you know, yeah. because it's necessary. Yeah. And like, it's okay to not run a hundred miles an hour. I think you're right. I will a lot of times, Amy, in those circumstances, um, sometimes I have these free moments and I'm like, gosh, I've been so busy up until this point. How am I free? What am I missing? A lot of times I sit down in those moments, I close the door in my office and I start brainstorming about things that like I want to do in life, mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, obviously it's more in a professional standpoint, um, at least when I'm at work, but to take those moments and say, you know, where do I want to go and what do I want to do? And let's use this moment to kind of brainstorm instead of trying to find another task to take on. Mm -hmm. And that I have found to be very helpful. And I think you're right. I think we, we, you know, I think a lot of these thoughts start in residency because I think it goes to answering this question of, you know, what makes a good surgeon? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that you're, you're right. I think when, when I have found the solution to it, it is pausing and brainstorming a bit because in residency, what do we think makes a good surgeon? Um, how many cases you did and that you didn't have any M&Ms. How many cases? But is that actually true? No. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But yet we still think that, right? That's mm -hmm. that underlying thing. Um, I've talked to a lot of people that are in transition from one job to the next. 
and you typically, by definition, you know, you get the guaranteed salary. So, you know, what drives us is not money because you're going to get the money. It's the, but if I don't get the cases, everyone's going to know I'm not a good surgeon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like hearing myself and I don't take my own advice. How many times that I say to my residents, like, it's not the number of cases that you do. It's how you think through surgery. It's how you process what's being thrown at you. It's not, you know, you can do, you know, a hundred nephrectomies, but that doesn't mean you're going to be good at doing nephrectomies. Um, wow. Yeah. I don't even take my own advice. That's, that's very, that's very, um, that's very intelligent, Amy. <laughs> How do you learn how to think through operations? Yeah, you have to be challenged through them. You have to. Um, you do have to do them. You do have to do them. That is true, but you have to be challenged through them and be curious and asking, "Why am I doing it this way?" or "Can I do it a different way?" and um, be a little bit free to challenge yourself in those moments. So it's so funny. And th this is something that I've evolved as well. Like, you know, what makes a good surgeon? We think here, number of cases, but really it's how we think, which means you still have to do the cases, mm -hmm. but it's reflecting, it's reading, it's reaching out to colleagues, it's watching others, you know, the, all these things that if we are churning out cases, and we're never seeking out new ways to do stuff or how other people do it or reading the literature or things like that. We're not learning how to think. Yeah, no, that's really true. And wow. then the other thing is, is what about your patients? What do the patients care about? Well, I think, I mean, I think one is, is that they care that you care about them. Mm -hmm. There's empathy. There's, um, you know, they don't expect you to be perfect. Well, most of them don't. I think some of them might, but <laughs> most of them don't. And they, they really care that you're empathetic and that you have knowledge about what you're doing uh -huh. and confidence, but not cockiness. Yeah. Right? Nobody wants, nobody wants the cockiness. What I've also discovered too is they like us to convey the information to them. Yeah, you're right. Like handouts, mm -hmm. videos, stuff like that. Yeah, I think talking their language, right? Yeah, a good process. And, you know, multidisciplinary. Is everybody else talking to each other? The reason I bring this up is that we get so focused on this because we haven't really thought about what it means to be a good surgeon. Um, and what it means to be a good surgeon is you have to be experienced, but you have to do all these other things that take time. You have to do all these other things, looking at it from the patient's perspective, but you also have to be stable and happy and fulfilled it has to be sustainable <laughs> yeah. patients don't want you to be burned out right so like a good surgeon takes care of themselves 
And how do we take care of ourselves? I mean, there, that's a, that's a pretty big question. Uh, but I think, you know, one of the biggest ways is, is that um, <clears throat> I probably don't need to beat myself up nearly as much as I do, mm-hmm. right? Like if I ever treated somebody else the way, I mean, I've heard this so many times, right? If I ever treated myself the way that, or others, the way that I treat myself, God, nobody would want to be around me. Um that's my favorite is like, if we look at ourselves as like a third party dispassionate person, you know, we'd be horrified. We're like abusive. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the whole last thought model, right? I mean, how terrible. <laughs> yeah. I said, and, you know, but a lot of times we don't realize how we talk to ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, like if we wa- if we walked around telling other residents, you're a terrible candidate. You are not worthy. <laughs> I know you're here and you pass all that stuff, but you're not worthy. Um, or you know, you're you're doing terrible because you've only done like 80 cases, 80 cases this you know this month. It's um, so I think that you know, very first is just like awareness, you know, um, being kind to ourselves, and you know, supportive relationships. Right? I think it's the recognizing that we can't do it alone. So good support. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we need to cultivate too. Um, because to be kind to ourselves and to work on a, um, a supportive network, like all of these things need time. Uh, in some ways, I think that we also default to this because it's easy. We know how to do this. Um, I think sometimes it's, we um, either don't know or don't forget or don't know the value of some of these things um, that cause us. Um, you can't measure that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of comes back to my, a little bit more of my deeper systemic problem of, well, the hospital administrator sure does know how many cases you do. They probably know your patient evaluations, but that's such a nebulous, weird process anyway. But absolutely none of them know if you read your literature, if you actually have a process in your clinic, right, that actually works. They probably know that there is a process, but they don't, you know, as long as no one's complaining about it, life moves on. And so it's the most objective thing that we have. Mm -hmm. And yet it's, I mean, it's, I mean, you, you look at this and it's amazingly obvious that that's probably one of the least important things that you have. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Healthcare is (laughs) weird. Well, and the thing is, is that, you know, the, the thought that the administrators will know, um, is just a thought, right? But that's, that's a different model in itself. I got a job. The administrators are going to use this metric against me because they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And our emotion is like a little bit paranoid. So I actually work our tail off and result is we're totally burned out and not good surgeons right? <laughs> because we've, exactly. neglected, we've neglected ourselves. you know, um, we've neglected, you know, spending some time for this and, um, you know, we rush with our patients, things like that too, or, um, and we don't spend a little extra time, you know, working with the um, other groups and things like that too. I battle this all the time. 
uh, and the only reason I can like put this list off the top of my head is because I, I am evolving myself. Um, it's very hard for me to leave an open clinic or open OR time. Uh, and I think that I just don't know what to do with myself. There's not much of a day, but I started realizing some of these things. You know, I did, when I do take time for doing handouts that patients really appreciate it. You know, it really looks like we care. It answers a lot of their questions. Um, you know, when we have the multidisciplinary approach, I have a better relationship with my oncologist and they're more likely to refer to me because hey, Amy answers the phone. You know, Amy reaches out to me. You know, she really understands the patients and she really cares. And so the irony is you spend a little time cultivating this, you'll actually get more patients in there and more reliable information from your consultants and you build that relationship. Um, and then, you know, if you show up um, at a tumor board, um, when I showed up a tumor board and um, then it makes a difference. I um, talked to a post a long time ago about how I came, when I came, there's a competing um, doctor and, and the way the process was working, it seemed like they were swaying um, patients to me. I was, I was so annoyed at that process that I stopped doing these things. Um, and when I kind of had this like complete brain shift, it was like if I stopped focusing on that guy getting cases and I, you know, I had more time to do the handouts and the multidisciplinary stuff. Um, and then the patients started raving. So they would go to their primary care who would then insist on seeing me, you know, and then I got my name out there. Um, and so that's the right way to do it rather than, cause I think, you know, I also when you get to a new job, I think, especially when you a new job, when you're like, well, no one's rallying to me. Where are all the patients? They're always going to the people that are established. I'm never going to survive. Um, but you will, if you prove it to yourself or you, you prove yourself worthy, you know, they'll send you to the expert when you demonstrate that you're an expert. It's kind of like the, you know, it's the, the it's your model all over again. Like when you feel worthy, then you're going to show up. Your relationships will be better. You're actually going to um, get patients because you are worthy. Yeah. I mean, I'm hearing all of this and like, this is all the stuff that you never get quote credit for. But I think a lot of times I have to sort of, I think we have to be careful to, to put too much emphasis on getting credit for things because, you know, whenever I actually have patients who rave about me and I get zero quote credit for that, um, it makes me feel a whole lot better than whenever I get some, you know, random, whatever it is that the hospital thinks that I need to work for, um, whatever carrot it is that they have defined out today. Mm -hmm. And, and I think sometimes we do have to be a little careful to not get so hung up on, you know, well, I don't want to, you know, not get credit for this, or this really isn't measured but you're right. There's a lot of this intangible stuff when you build up these relationships that you have all of a sudden the support and all these other things. And so um, I do sometimes think we have to be a little careful. We don't go too extreme with that. Like take, you know, get credit for everything you do. Yeah. And I think that it's just a, I think that you hit the nail on the head too, as well, when you talk about metrics, like um, because really what's the purpose of met metrics is to determine what makes a good surgeon, you know, but I think the most important thing is for us to determine what those metrics are. I think they have evolved a little bit with the whole patient satisfaction thing, which I used to, you know, rebel against those, like what a, you know, BS administrative crap thing to do. But I think maybe their heart was in the right place, you know, recognizing that in the, at the end of the day, it really is about the patients. 
And so like, why do we do the number of cases? So we're competent surgeons. Right? So we know what we're doing so that we feel confident. But I guess the most important thing is realizing it's not necessarily the number of cases. It's really appreciating some of these other um, metrics that I think that they, they did kind of start with these ACGME things. I was our associate program director at our last residency and the survey stuff like for residents has like gotten insane out of control. I think their heart's in the right place because I think they're trying to get at these things. Um, recognizing that we're, we're more than a number on the case log. Um, but I think the more that we talk about it, we kind of remember what the whole purpose of this is, but it's reminding ourselves that we're still worthy if we spend time doing these things. In fact, maybe more worthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. We covered a lot of ground. You know, that was, that was awesome. Uh, I mean, we got some pretty deep thoughts in there. <laughs> yes. But it, isn't it just so fascinating because it all, like, if we look back at your model, it's all the same. Right? <laughs> We're no, still exactly. this person. <laughs> well, like I said, like, I'm doing a lot of work to get away from that person, but there's no question that that becomes a default, that I have to actively work to get away from that. And it's amazing how easy that thought model is. Mm-hmm. It's like the default. It's yeah, a default it's model. So easy. It sneaks up on us when we're when we least expected. Um, but I think that we have to love this person too. I think that you know, looking back and saying, "Well, I should have done these things," but it's really it's like, thank goodness for this one. We we learned a lot from her. Mm. Yeah, and hopefully somebody else can learn from me. So, uh, you know that. Yeah, absolutely. Be, you know. I think we definitely all will. And like I said, like that, the other stuff that we talked about, that's, that's still an evolution in me. So I'm pretty sure other people are too. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, what's a good surgeon, right? That's a really broad question. So I think everyone kind of has their own opinions and their own things, but it is true that, uh, boy, we do focus on number of cases and it doesn't mean a whole lot. Mm -hmm. That may be um, a fun question to post in the Facebook group. I'll, I'll, I'll pose the open-ended question and see what answers we get. <laughs> yeah. Right. It will be kind of fun. Well, I had such fun talking with you. Yeah, thank you so much. I love this uh, this uh, group coaching that turned into personal coaching. This was great. I know. This is like the most affordable one-on-one -on -one coaching you can get. <laughs> yeah, right? This was awesome. And it was really helpful. I had a lot of thoughts that I thought I was working through, but I really learned a lot. So thank you very much. Huh? I hope other... Well, perfect. Well, good. Well, I will talk to you soon. <laughs>